0: Thank you guys for being here today. So glad to see you're back from spring break. It was a lot
1: of fun. So today we're talking about the emergent church, and the myth here is kind of complex. There are a lot of points to it. And again, as we get started, and some of you will talk about this, but uh, I don't think that it would be right to say that the emergent church is all good or all bad, right? There are some pros and some cons. There are enough cons that I think that we need to be discerning about anything that comes out of the Emergent Church or a lot of their trends, and that's why we're doing this today. But at the same time, we're not going to ignore some of the the pros in that movement as well. So I kind of wanted to define the myth in more than just one word or two or three words, because it deserves that. So the idea is that tolerance is more important than truth. Okay? That'd be kind of their, maybe one of the first themes. Uh, Acceptance, versus integrity, and again, some of these are good, some of these attributes of the emergent church are good, it's good to be accepting of people, but not at the expense of integrity, either personal integrity or corporate integrity as the body of Christ, right? They would say social justice is probably more important than the Great Commission, specifically A lot more important than evangelism, they'd say. Uh, A lot of them might even say that evangelism, we're talking about sin, heaven, hell, things like that. Salvation are not right. They'd go that far, probably. Uh, Freedom versus self-discipline. There's a big emphasis on freedom. Often at the expense of self-control or self-discipline. It's not a good deal. Freedom actually comes in that context. So, not judging, which again is good. It's not good to judge. People. Actually that's an important differentiation 1 First Corinthians two says the spiritual person makes judgments about all things. So it's not good for us to make judgments about people, right? To judge is that person going to heaven or hell. That's between them and God, based on what they did with Jesus Christ, right? But as a Christian, you should make judgments about all things. You should be able to say this is right and that's wrong, right? So that's important. Look at first Corinthians two. So not judging would be a huge priority to the emergent church versus being a light. Sometimes at the expense of being a light in a very dark world. They would say don't judge the darkness. Sometimes uh, they would almost not be a light. Okay, vulnerability versus example. Just be the same as everybody else. Don't try to pretend like you're something better. Well, we're not better, but as Christian that God's working in, he's going to be changing me more and more into his character, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Social acceptance, being loved by the world, versus being hated, for Christ's sake, John 15. Bible extrapolation. Making the text of God's word mean anything you feel like you want it to mean based on however you happen to feel today. I think that would be a big issue with them because they've gone into this post shift within the church where they've given up the truth and, and uh, foundation of God's word many times. So, Bible extrapolation versus Bible interpretation. Right? And then finally focus more on the temporary and physical and not so much on eternal things. Right? If you look at 2 Corinthians 4, if you look at questions 3, those are just a few of the passages where we're told to focus on eternal things, not on temporary things. So those would be maybe more important to them. So the myth is kind of many-fold. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different aspects that that we've listed up here. There are probably others, too. And so, like we said at the beginning, it's not all bad or all good, but we're going to go to the Word, and we're going to be able to develop some discernment here for uh, what bones need to be tossed out and what meat needs to be swallowed, right? So, Jake, why don't you go ahead and and take us from there? Cool. So I just want to start first of all
0: with uh, the idea of truth um, and, like, The backbone, I guess, of truth, is that um, Jesus specifically said, you know, in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, He's saying that explicitly, that there is one way to heaven, you know, and there is, and that's the life that I'm offering you, and I'm the only way to that life. And that's the truth um, that the Bible tells us, um, regardless of what other people might say. now the thing would be uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16. Let's it real quick. Uh, 2 Timothy, uh, it's actually, yeah, it is 3.16. Uh, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is from God, God-breathed. Um, so... If it's from God, then who are we as men, you know, to change it? And um, what, like, yeah, basically, like, who are we to change it? Um, and I guess kind of going off that, we we'll go to Psalm one nineteen, uh, which basically just—I'm uh, not going to read the whole thing because we'd be here for fifteen minutes. Um, but basically, uh, just talking about like how, you know, God's word is great. You know, the law is great, um, and that we should find a light in that law. And the truth that is in God's word, um, and we should find delight in obeying God's word also, um, and that God is pleased when we obey His word. In um, the last verse, I was going to go over actually two more, I think. No, just one more. Uh, 2 Corinthians four 16. 2 Corinthians four sixteen says. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So basically it's like this whole focus on you know, the eternal aspects of, like, what the Bible says, you know, focusing on eternity rather than what's in this life, you know, focusing on pleasing God and living for God rather than focusing on pleasing man and living for man instead. Uh, so that's basically what the Bible says about um, what we should think about in terms of truth. That's
1: it. Thank you, Jake. It's all heading.
2: <laughs> I will be talking about the biblical principles, and I'm going to start off with um, love and acceptance. In Ephesians four thirty-two, it says, "Be kind to one another, Be kind to one another." Tender hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Um, and then, kind of, in John 15, 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it has hated you. So we should accept one another and forgive one another. Um, but the world will hate us. And then um, the next one is focus on the truth from above instead of on worldly things. Um, Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on this earth. And then in Ephesians 4, 23-24, it says, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Christ, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of the that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. And then, um, the last principle that I was gonna talk about was holy living and doing everything for the glory of God, which in Colossians three twenty three it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as the Lord rather than rather not than for men. Sorry, let you say that again. Colossians three twenty three says, Whatever you do, do your work partly as for the Lord rather than not for men. So and then First Corinthians ten, thirty two through thirty three says, Whatever you, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the Lord of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the Church of God just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved.
3: All right, so I did the 21 signs of deception. And overall, some were, as a majority, were, they were uh, deceptive, but some weren't. Um, there's really not a whole lot of emphasis on science and wonders in this, and it does cause some division among the believers, because some believers believe that, oh, I need to be sharing the gospel, I need to upon the Great Commission, other people who are against that, then that's going to cause some division. And um, flattery and nice sounding arguments that are actually empty but deceive and naive. I thought this is definitely a criteria because it sounds wonderful if you don't have to do any, any works so or you don't have to share the gospel, which is scary. And sometimes could end badly depending on where you do it. <laughs> but it's not true and it just sounds nice. And number four, distraction from simple and pure devotion to Christ? Um, Maybe. In some ways, it it isn't a distraction because you're doing good things like you're serving the poor or helping fathers to be be better people, to help their their children when they need to help them, which is good. But in other ways, it could be distracting when you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're just kind of... Thing. Um, the fifth one is foolishness, and that didn't really seem. Maybe it was a little bit foolish, but it wasn't as foolish as other things. It was more. It's more about postmodernism, and not foolishness exactly. Uh, sixth, physical roughness. I don't think the merchant church has really anything to do with physical roughness. Uh, legalism and, and manipulation. Maybe there could be some legalism if they tell you to not share the gospel, and either, that's one of their big rules. But overall, I didn't think it was all. It was about legalism and manipulation, and if it's about postmodernism kind of things, then there's almost no rules whatsoever, good or for one way, reason or another. Uh, number eight is special revelation from God, an uncommon form of Christianity. And, yeah, this is kind of an unusual form of Christianity, not one you read about in the Bible. And, uh, nine is speculation and fruitless discussion. Um, some, but not enough to, for this to be a big factor. This is, what they're talking Mm -hmm. about is some good, some bad, but not fruitless. Distraction from doing God's work by faith, Uh, yeah, if you're not going to go share the gospel and you're more concerned about worldly things, then this could be a big distraction. And confidence without understanding, do they consider themselves teachers of God's word, yet have a poor understanding of it? Yeah, I think if you're saying things like you don't need to share the gospel, then you might not be well-versed in what the Bible actually says. And does it continue to go further and further the truth and get crazier and crazier? Um, Yeah. It could start off as you're not doing one thing that the Bible says, but it could lead to becoming more and more worldly and less and less how God originally wanted us to live. And strange doctrines, myths, and stories, different from stout, sound doctrine, yeah, I think if you, it's easy once you start stepping away from God's word to, it's easy for it to be a kind of like a landslide effect and, and it get crazy and crazier, and hidden agenda or secrecy about their true beliefs and teachings, they seem to be pretty open about what they believe. They're, they're not about to hide what they believe maybe anyway. like Sensu- sensuality and appeal to people's fleshly desires and emotions, definitely. This is all about what you want to do, what your flesh wants to do, and not about what, you're, what you need to do, and what God wants us to do. And Jesus slash Christianity gets a bad rap. Sometimes maybe we could, at uh, this emergent church, could give Christianity a bad rap because not sharing the gospel, and we're contradicting what the Bible says, so it makes us look very inconsistent, but at the same time, Jesus, Christianity, would get a great rap, because we, were, you know, helping out the poor, and helping fathers, and doing community service type stuff, which I don't think anybody could really just like that. And then, greed and materialism, yeah, this could lead to If you're focusing on earthly things, that could also lead to very earthly desires that overcome godly desires. And then taking advantage of people. I don't think this church is about taking advantage of people. It's more about ideas. And pride, yeah, if you're you're trying to do good works without without, uh, God's help, Kind of being prideful and saying, "Oh, I can do this all on my own. I don't need God's help in this." And the promise of freedom or something more, yeah, that that could be a, a good one, Because you're promising freedom from the from the rules of the church. When, when, when originally the rules of the church or the rules from the Bible are not—they're not meant to be binding, but they're meant to be freeing, as they're. Leading towards a good life, how we're supposed to live, and non-Christian. The last one is non-Christian actions, or acting like before, like we did before Christ. Definitely, if you're if you're focusing on what the world wants, and or trying to meet the world where they are, you go too far. You can definitely start to act like they did before Christ. Right. There we go. Yes.
4: Talk about the fruit of the emergent church as well as its history. Uh, I'm gonna talk about history first. Uh, uh, the emergent church seems to have come about uh, well, uh, through the idea of postmodernism. Um, so it's relatively new. I don't know, the post-modern, postmodernism seems to be um, like rebellion almost, a sh- shift away from like old teachings and ways of thinking um, to, to laid back, sort of, you know, like like Nate was saying, uh, live life the way you want to uh, mentality. And um, the Emergent Church takes on this um, mentality. You know, and, and they feel like they need to reach, they need to shape itself to reach um, the people of this generation who buy into the postmodernism also? Um, so yeah, it's relatively new. Uh, as far as fruit, it seems the main issue with uh, the emergent church is it's unbalanced. Um, like there, there's a lot of good things that come from the emergent church, like like you can see up here, like um, tolerance, acceptance, but because they feel the need to shape. Itself to meet uh, these people where they're at. They, need, they feel the need to change your uh, teachings, and not just you know go out and uh, reach people. They actually feel the need to change uh, what they're teaching. Because they do that, they, they end up on an extreme, and every extreme has like an extreme counterpart. So, like you can see up here, like Dave was saying, uh, you know. Social acceptance, like that's really good. You know, it's a good thing to you know. Um, but also, but on the other hand, you know, they they, uh, they go against scripture and uh, try not to be hated. Um, so, so yeah, some some other examples of fruit. Um, all, all like the fruit that comes from this. They all have. Uh, they're all kind of backhanded. Like they all have some kind of negative counterpart uh, belief uh, through facts. That's that's solid, um, but they, they give up a certain aspect of faith uh, in, in that um, respect. That kind of goes along with social acceptance. Uh, you know, they want to respect everyone. You know, and not press their ideas on people. Um, But with that, they give up um, sharing, as we're called to do. Um, Yeah, they're interested in reaching people, which is really good, Um, but too much so uh, as they feel the need to shape themselves to conform to people's ideas and ways of thinking. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of fruit that comes with it a lot
1: of negative aspects to that as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Jack, and there's, like with with a lot of things, there's, there's some good and there's some bad. So I wanted to mention a few of the main leaders, just so that they're on your minds, not because we want to condemn them as terrible Christians, but just to be discerning, and some of these books will come across your radar, so Brian McLaren is kind of probably the leading figure of this. He's written a new kind of Christianity, Everything Must Change, some other different kind oh, of Christianity. Everything must change, some other books. And it's pretty unreal some of the statements in there. Like when if you read this, this is in Everything Must Change, which I have. And um, well, and in that he actually quotes a South African aid worker that he is sympathetic to. And he, he says, that this man put it this way says they may be born again talking about Christians, but what good is that if their problems are the same as before, right? And he continues, what good is that? All this born again talk is nothing but nonsense. Okay, you'd think that any Christian that heard a statement like that would say that's that's not okay. But he then continues, after the gathering, I found this young man and told him how much I respected his courage for saying this. You know, and so he's affirming this man basically saying that being born again is nonsense, we need to focus on physical needs that people have. Brian McLaren has endorsed Alan Jones' book called Reimagining Christianity, which calls Christianity a vile doctrine. Uh, So he's actually endorsing people and their books that define Christianity as a vile doctrine. And he actually put the gospel this way in an NPR interview this last year. He says, the view of the cross that I was given growing up, in a sense, has a God who needs blood in order to be appeased. If this God doesn't see blood, God can't forgive. That's actually scriptural. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, right? Uh, so this is actually not just what he was given growing up, but this is what scripture tells us, right? And that's why Jesus had to go to the cross and die for our sins. Uh, God revealed in Christ, crucified, shows us a vision of a God that identifies with the victim rather than the perpetrator, identifies with the one suffering rather than the one inflicting suffering. So he is equating the story of the cross and the purchase of of the body of Christ, the salvation of the body of Christ, the purchase of of that body with God's own blood. And he's saying that's nothing more than God sticking up for the underdog, basically, and God supporting the person that is politically oppressed. That's not the gospel. I mean, that is a different gospel other than that which we've already received. And it's kind of sketchy. So if, if you read something from Brian or from McLaren that's good, well, that's good. But I want you guys to be discerning when you read things like that. And you that's not good, right? Uh, so Donald Miller wrote Blue Light Jazz. He's another leading figure in this. Rob Bell wrote, Bell that Elvis drops like stars, sex god. Another big leading figure. Obviously, not all that. There's some good there. Rob Bell has been huge in the fatherhood initiative and this, getting dads to you know, be girl dads. So there's some good and there's some bad. I guess when we think of the myth, what do you guys think? We can't just say it's busted, right? Uh, I, what's that?
0: This is plausible.
1: Plausible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put both. <laughs> I'm gonna put both, right? Again, you can't hear me that. It's both busted. There are some aspects that are busted, but there are some aspects that I think that uh, that we need to be better at: at reaching out to society, doing more to help the the poor and the needy, doing more to encourage social justice. So we should, we should. We should swallow meat and spit out bones, so to say. So that's it for today, you guys. Let's close it out and pray. Who wants to pray, Jake? We just pray and close
0: this out. Cool. Guys, thank you so much for this day. Uh, just come and gather. Just uh, kind of look at where your, where your word says God. God breathes words. It's um, a good I thank you so much that your, the word is from you, God. Um, that we can know is the truth. Uh, that it can guide and direct us, God. Kind of, thank you so much for your word for this time together and you've given us uh, to look at your word what it says. God, I just pray that you continue to be able to control the level of our lives, Lord, be on the throne uh, as we are on this campus uh, trying to reach out to you. So, you know, Amen.